0: Life is too short, don't stress every day, leave your worries behind, go out and play. Life is too short, grasp it in your hand, a natural miracle, have fun while you can. Life is too short, take it from me, have as much fun as you wish, just wait and see. Life is too short, use your own eyes, open yourself and enjoy your own life. Now there's something about this that rings true, isn't there? Life is short. So why spend your precious little time in stress or boredom or sadness? You haven't got much time. Have fun while you can. Advertisers uh, tap into this idea as well. Uh, Here's a picture of an ad campaign that was run in uh, Europe. Supposedly the uh, poor guy has to pedal away in there whenever a child wants the toy to run. The slogan for their ads was, life's too short for the wrong job. Uh, They're trying to convince you that you don't want to waste your life doing tough, boring jobs. You need to advance yourself, fulfill yourself, enjoy yourself. Life's too short for anything else. And you've got to admit there's something appealing to this. But what we read from God's word in the bit of 2 Corinthians we're up to today is that, yes, life is short. So it's okay to suffer terribly because it won't last long. Now, does that sound crazy to you? It's okay. God's way of seeing life is very different to advertising companies. They just want your money. God wants you to reach eternity. And what we read today is that we're to look to eternity because God has in store for us a glorious life that will never end and it makes all suffering here tiny in comparison. In chapters 4 and 5 of 2 Corinthians, there's two types of suffering we endure, two types of trouble that we don't have to run away from. The first type is persecution. Being harassed because you're Christian and you tell others of Christ. In chapter 4, we learn of Paul preaching even in the face of death. His level of persecution was way beyond anything we experienced. Chapter 4 and verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned Paul's preaching about the Lord Jesus brought him plenty of distress and trouble. He could even talk of death being at work in him. So why would he keep speaking out about Jesus if it meant living in the shadow of death? Why would he do that? Well, Paul gives three reasons. And the first is because he knew that life after death is real. Verse 13. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. See that? Paul could preach in the face of death because he knew that God's already raised Jesus from the dead. Life after death has already begun. And so just as God raised Christ, we know that we'll be raised too. And so yes, life is short, but this life's not all there is. Life after death is real. So we don't have to waste this life by just living for the now. We don't have to run away from death as if it's the last word on our life. Christ's already been raised and will be raised from death too. So we can preach Christ even in the face of death because the only life people can cut short is this one. But it's not just real. Life after death is also for others. This is the second reason uh, why we can preach Christ even in the face of death. Jesus can save and forgive anyone. And so for their benefit, we'll grow through trouble and distress that they might come to know Christ and give thanks to God. Verse 15. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. See, Paul's been hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Death is at work in him as he preaches the gospel, and all this, he says, is for their benefit. That more and more people might thank God, that others might know the grace of God, that they might know that Christ died for sin. That his death means we can be forgiven and on good terms with God. And that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. He lives forever with the authority to hand out eternal life to all who trust in him. And it's only Christ that can do this. Without Christ, people are heading for destruction at the hands of the living God. But life after death is for all who put their trust in Jesus. And so for other people's sake, we preach Christ, that they might trust in Christ. For many, being in the armed forces is for the sake of their country. Here in Australia, we've got many stories of men and women who have sacrificed much, their livelihoods, time with their family. They've swapped the security of life here for the real threat of death in battle. Going to war is no small thing, is it? And many have done it that others might live. Now, talking to people about Jesus can be no small thing. For some, it comes with the very real threat of death. For us, it might mean the possibility of losing friends and family, maybe losing the respect of others. But we talk to people about Jesus that they might live and not just live a few more decades here in comfy Australia. We tell people about Jesus that they might truly live eternally with Christ in the glorious new creation because life after death is for others and life after death is also far greater it's far greater than any persecution we might face in this life, this is Paul's third reason, this life is short whereas life after death is forever and glorious, verse 16 therefore We do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Paul says he was wasting away, and that is, as we've already seen, death was at work in him as he preached the gospel. But it wouldn't be at work in him for long, and it was nothing compared to the life to come. Verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Paul's light and momentary troubles are, again, the persecutions he's already spoken of. And what I think is surprising is that he calls his persecutions light. Remember, he's already described uh, his persecutions as death being at work in him. That doesn't sound too light to me. In chapter 11, Paul tells us that his persecutions included multiple imprisonments, multiple floggings, beaten with rods, stoned near to death, assassination attempts, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, cold and naked. And yet Paul describes these troubles as light. When we share Christ with those around us, we might receive persecution too. Maybe rejection, slander, humiliation, loss of friends and family, no promotion, no pay rise, kids made fun of at school you sticking neck out for Jesus it doesn't take people too long to find an axe of sorts but our troubles are nothing compared to what Paul went through so how can he call them light well it all depends on what you compare them to it's a bit like having a feather a rock and a two-ton boulder compared to the feather the rock is heavy A feather just floats in the wind, a rock just sinks to the ground. But compared to a two ton boulder, a rock is very light. I can lift a rock, I can throw a rock a long way, or I used to be able to. But I can't even begin to budge a two ton boulder. Now, I reckon our persecutions are like a feather compared to Paul's persecutions, which are like a rock. But remember, even Paul described his troubles as light. So what could make the threat and likelihood of death seem like a mere rock when compared to a 2 ton boulder? Have another look at verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. It's the eternal glory. That far outweighs Paul's troubles. Compared to eternal glory, even all Paul's troubles are light, flimsy, are nothing. Eternal glory far outweighs them all. And this is something we rarely get a handle on, I reckon. Because if we truly believe this that what God has in store in eternity far outweighs any persecution that may come our way, then the prospect of people ridiculing us because we try and tell them about Jesus, it wouldn't faze us nearly as much as it does if we truly knew that what God has in store is so much greater than anything that can happen to us. And so with the world against us as we live for Christ, we're to fix our eyes on what's to come. Verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now the things that are seen that Paul talks there are the troubles back in verse 17. It's the persecutions that come our way for sticking our neck out for Jesus. And Paul says they're only temporary. At most, they'll only last this lifetime. Now, look, I'm not saying that that's easy. Uh, being ridiculed as a Christian, that's not fun. It's not enjoyable. But it's short. Life is short, which means it's okay to suffer for others so that they can hear about Jesus because it won't last long. But what's unseen in verse 18, the life that God has in store for us after death, well, that's eternal, that's permanent, that's forever. And so we fix our eyes on it. And life after death is far greater, far weightier than any trouble that will come our way. And so we fix our eyes on what is unseen. But that can be hard to do, can't it? Because it's so much easier to fix my eyes on what is seen. I mean, I know this life. I can see this life. I can touch this life. In one sense, this life is all I know. This life is real to me. Whereas I don't really know what happens when this life is over. I don't know life after death like I know life now. It's hard to fix my eyes on what is unseen and unknown when there's something else I can see and I do know. So this is something we are going to have to train our minds in. It's going to take conscious, deliberate thought to fix your eyes on your eternal life. Remind yourself in the morning, first thing when you wake up, tell yourself before you get out of bed that this life is not all there is. That there's a life to come that far outweighs any trouble this life involves. You need to make sure that you understand and remember this because it's hard to fix your eyes on what is unseen and unknown when there's something else you can see and you do know. Now, in chapter 5, Paul moves on to the second type of trouble we endure, and that's the general suffering we go through as we live in this decaying world, in our decaying bodies. It's the -the run-of-the-mill muck that we go through because we live in a fallen world. But here as well, it's about fixing our eyes on the glory that God has in store for us as his people. In our short lives, where we experience hardship and discomfort and frustration, we're to long for life after death. Wanting to be there more than wanting to be here. Have a look at chapter 5 and verse 1. Paul starts talking about our earthly bodies as tents that will be destroyed, but that that's okay because God has new bodies in store and eternal house waiting for us. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands this earthly tent, our bodies, they will be destroyed. But we're waiting for new bodies, an eternal house, a body that lasts forever, and we know it's coming. So, verse 2, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now please notice here in these verses that the groaning here is longing for what's to come. It's not just wanting to be rid of the troubles that are here, it's wanting to go to what's better. Verses 2 and 4 where groaning, longing and wishing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, not just longing for the bad stuff to go away, but longing for the good stuff to come. And I think this is something we deal with almost every single day because there's lots in life, isn't there, that can be called the bad stuff, like our bodies, which are giving way. Perhaps you're getting old and that just comes with complications, or you might have a long-term illness, or a recent diagnosis, a mystery condition that no one can work out, death might be looming around the corner. But there's also bad stuff in our heads, isn't there? We might have minds that are trapped in sadness and confusion, depression sinks its claws deeper and deeper, fears, be they rational or irrational, they still cripple you. And then there's the ongoing anxiety we have for the people we love. Parents might be looking like they're splitting up. Kids going off the rails or they just struggle to cope with life. Friends whose lives are spiralling out of control and you seem helpless to help them. Or loved ones who depend on you for so much but you're not sure how much longer you're going to be around. Perhaps it's a sin that you struggle with day in, day out. Maybe it's going to school and you have no friends. We could go on, couldn't we? There is lots to life that we can call the bad stuff. And as the bad stuff presses in on you, what do you wish for? What do you long for? Do you aim low and just want the bad stuff to go away? Or do you aim high and long for it not just to go away, but to be replaced with glory? Do you want to go to what's better? Because eternal life is what God made you for. And he's guaranteed it'll come. Our true home is to be with the Lord in glory. Chapter 5, verse 5. Now it is God who made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Is that you? You'd prefer to be away from the body, done with this life, and at home with the Lord. You live by faith not by sight fix your eyes not on what's seen but on what's unseen you groaning longing wishing for the life to come where would you rather be here in this life with its little luxuries and all its troubles or away from this world and this life do you just want to be with Jesus a few weeks ago I was putting my five-year-old daughter Beth to bed And we'd done songs and prayers and I was getting ready to say goodnight and I could see that she was sad. So I asked her what was up and she said she was sad because she couldn't see Jesus. She wanted to give him a cuddle like she can give me a cuddle. To Beth, Jesus is the greatest and he just wants to see him. And as I was tucking her into bed, she gave a deep sigh and with tears welling up in her eyes, she said, I hope Jesus comes tomorrow. Many of us have felt like that, haven't we? Just wanting to be with Jesus, freed from persecution, freed from a body riddled with illness, freed from a mind trapped in sadness, freed from the anxieties we have of those around us. You just want to go home and be with Jesus in eternal glory. Hang in there. Keep trusting in Jesus because this life is short. And life after death is real and it's eternal and it's for the people around you and it's far greater than anything we dare to imagine. It makes even all our troubles in this life so little in comparison. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. We just want to go home. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus and his death and resurrection, that he has been raised from the dead in glory. And because of him, so too are we. Father, we are longing and groaning and wishing for the life to come. We want to go home. We want to be with your son forever in glory. And so we pray for those around us who do not yet know him. Please save them. Father, we pray for ourselves that we will persevere in amongst all our troubles that, Father, come that last great day, we will sing the praises of Jesus who died, that we might live and be with him forever. And we ask it for his glory. Amen.